Dear Lord, I, I thank You that Your grace is more than sufficient. That Your peace is made most perfect in our weakest moments. And so, Lord, it's in our weakness that You are strong. And Lord, we rely upon Your strength today. We trust God, Lord, You for the days ahead, regardless of what it may seem like today. Lord, we, we know that You will grant grace and sufficiency for each day. That Your steadfast love is never ceasing. And that Your mercies never end. That Your mercies are new for each and every day. And so, Lord, I, I thank You for that. I thank You, Lord, uh, for marriage. I thank You, Lord, for, for relationships. I thank You, Lord, for Your love. And I pray this morning that You would give us a glimpse of understanding what it means to love like You intend for us to love. What it means for us to live in covenant as You have intended for us to do. So, Lord, we thank You for Your blessings. We thank You for Your grace. Speak to us now in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Luke, excuse me, of Ruth. The book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 1. The book of Ruth, which is uh, in the early part of the Old Testament, as you begin there. And we are going to be looking at what many scholars would regard outside of Yahweh Himself to be the most important word in the Old Testament. We talked about, outside of the name of Jesus, the most important word in the New Testament, which was agape love. Today we want to look at the most important word in the Old Testament covenant. And that word is called hesed. Hesed. It is a Hebrew word that has a lot of meaning. Matter of fact, it's found 245 times in the Old Testament covenant. It is used in a variety of ways, and we don't have the exact English word to translate it. It is used in many different manners. As a matter of fact, I want to share just a few with you. We know this. We know that many scholars would say the best definition is that of covenant loyalty. Covenant loyalty. And that's certainly true. Covenant loyalty in the sense that God made a covenant with the nation of Israel. And when He made that covenant, He made that promise to love them and to be committed to them as a nation and as a people group. It's a covenant that was made that the people were to be obedient, that they were to enter into a faithful covenant relationship with God Almighty. Now, let me give you an example of what that doesn't look like. I was reading in the news this week an uh, article uh, about a young girl, a 21-year-old girl who... Uh, well, I'll just read it to you. A young woman is seeking uh, extensive plastic surgery to look like Jennifer Abba because she hopes it will win her boyfriend back. The 21-year-old the said she was devastated after she and her bro boyfriend broke up. And he's an ardent fan of the actress and has, uh, and matter of fact, has gone as far as to have his walls filled with pictures and photographs and posters all over his apartment. Uh, this young lady works for an Internet firm, and she said the 18-month relationship ended because she questioned his obsession with Jennifer Alba. Uh, but then they broke up. And she said that uh, it's been a lot harder for her than she anticipated. So she says, although her boyfriend has not forced her to look like Jennifer Alba, he has bought her a blonde wig 
and she is Asian, by the way, so, and, and so it has asked her to wear that so that she might resemble the star a little more. Now she's decided if it means I can get him back, I'm going to go spend all the money I have to try and look like Jennifer Albus in hopes of winning my boyfriend back. I'd just like to tell those of you who are younger, that's a really bad idea. What if that doesn't work out and the next guy doesn't like Jennifer Alba? So I don't know how we get there as a society, but can I tell you that is the antithesis of what Hesed love is. Hesed love is, is covenant loyalty. It's also, as we'll look at in the book of Ruth today, it's a picture of of kindness. It's a picture of grace and mercy according to Psalms 23 and multiple other passages. We know that passage. Uh, Psalms 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. That goodness and mercy is making a reference to the Hesed love of God and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It is also that of faithfulness. We see that in Psalms 25 and Proverbs 6, that the Hesed love of God is faithfulness. And the way that we see it most often translated into our modern day scriptures is that of steadfast love. Steadfast love. Isaiah 53 says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love and promise to God, promise to David. In Lamentations 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Let's look a little deeper at what some of the terms of Hesed mean and some of the scriptures that we can see in the Word of God. Uh, number one, we see that the Hesed love of God is pleasing. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgressions of the remnant of His heritage? He does not retain His anger forever because He delights in His Hesed or His mercy. God's hesed is far-reaching, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His hesed, His mercy, love toward you and toward those who fear Him. God's hesed love is abounding. I know that you are gracious and merciful, that you are hesed and slow to anger and abundant to hesed, to loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. God's hesed love is satisfying. Oh, satisfy us early with your Hesed love. May we may rejoice and be glad all our days in Psalms 90. God's Hesed love is enduring. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good for His mercy or His Hesed endures forever. Matter of fact, in Psalms 136, we see that word Hesed or that term. It says His love endures forever 26 times. His love endures forever. His Hesed endures forever. We see that God's Hesed love is saving. Show your Hesed, O Lord, and grant us salvation. God's Hesed love is precious. How precious is your Hesed love, O God, your loving kindness. Therefore, the children of men put their trust in the shadow of your wings. The Hesed love of God. The book of Ruth, I think, is a good uh, practical or example of Hesed love with skin upon it as it relates to that covenant loyalty, that covenant commitment. And what's interesting here 
and we all, most of you remember the story of Ruth. Uh, what happens is um, Naomi and her husband Elimelech, they move from the land, of, the land of Israel for where the Hebrews are living in the Jerusalem, Bethlehem area because of a famine. We see this in the book of Judges. The Bible says that everyone did right in their own eyes. And now there is a famine in the land. And because of the need for food, they leave their native land and they go to Moab because they hear there's food there. And when they get there, they have two sons and their two sons become adults. Uh, and their two sons take women, take wives. One of them marries a woman named Orpha. Okay, Orpha. Actually, to believe it or not, that's where Oprah gets her name from. Oprah said that her mother was actually trying to uh, name her Oprah, but that she inverted two of the letters. She misspelled it, and so that's how she got her name, Oprah. But actually, the, the name is Orpha. So Orpha is one of the uh, one of the daughter daughter in laws, and then the other is Ruth. And so uh, Orpha and Ruth are married. Or excuse me, Orpha and Ruth are married to Naomi, da- uh, sons. And both of the sons die, and Elimelech dies as well. So Naomi has lost her husband. She's lost both of her sons, and now she has her daughter-in-laws. Now, the thing about her daughter-in-laws are they are Moabites. They are not from her native homeland. They, are, uh, they met th- those women there in the land of Moab. So now she has nothing. And a widow in that time, in that age, particularly in a foreign country, has no way to provide for herself. So she determined she must go home. As a matter of fact, she's heard that there's now food back in her native land. And she's, she's headed back there. And her daughter-in-laws uh, start to go with her. And as they begin to come with her, uh, she stops them and says, You don't need to come with me. You don't want to come with me. As a matter of fact, we see it picking up with verse 8 right here. And then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show Hesed to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. Now, what's interesting to me as well is that there is really no legal requirement that they stay with her. But we'll see that Ruth, uh, part of it, I believe, in fact, is her continued commitment to her husband that she, ma- that she was married to. And part of that, obviously, is a commitment to Naomi. But she continues in that commitment. But let's see what occurs. May the Lord grant that each of you find rest in a home of another husband. Then she kissed them and wept aloud. And they said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But then Naomi says, return home, my daughters. Why would you want to come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and he gave birth to sons, would you wait for them to grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. Naomi is obviously bitter. She's lost her husband and her two sons, and now she is headed back uh, to her homeland after a long period of time. And so at this point, she encourages them, you know what? Stay here. Stay with your family. Stay with your parents. Stay with your friends. Stay in your culture. And they wept again. Then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. And that word certainly gives us a description of physically, but it's more than physical. It is a total commitment. It is a total uh, endorsement and a total engraftment of that individual. We see right here an aspect, I believe, of hesed or covenant love. And it's being given to her mother-in-law. 
I, I believe uh, also indirectly it's being given to her husband. Now, again, she's not required to do that by any means. But you talk about going over and above the expectation. And that's exactly what Hesed love does. It goes beyond what we would ever expect and what we would ever think is normal. Verse 15. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied. And Ruth is going to give a, a beautiful picture of an aspect of Hesed love. Matter of fact, she's going to make a vow right here. Uh, matter of fact, these are, uh, some scholars would say, the words of a covenant vow. Now, in my life, I've made four vows, so to speak, or four covenants in my life. Uh, the first one was this. The first one was when I accepted Christ and I was baptized. That was a picture of a covenant vow that I made to God and God Almighty made to me as I received Christ as my Savior. As I transferred my trust from anything that I could do to what Jesus did upon the cross and received His grace and forgiveness and made a commitment to Him as He made a commitment to me. So that was my first vow. The second one was when I married my wife and I signed a, a covenant much like this right here. As a matter of fact, we all did. We all signed some type of license, but there's also a covenant uh, that you might want to do, and we're going to provide those for you today that you can kind of have a uh, recommitment of your marriage vows to your spouse. So that was my second uh, vow, set of vows I took. My third and fourth were my two children when uh, we had a time of baby dedication here at our church, and I committed to raise them in the faith and the knowledge and the truth of God's Word. So those were the vows that I've made. This is much like uh, the vow that I made is she's making here to Naomi. And sometimes, matter of fact, I've even used this passage in weddings. Even though it's made to the mother-in-law, you see the love. You see the hesed love. You see the total commitment, the covenant love that's being established here and being reaffirmed. Ruth says this, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Uh, Ruth, we have indications here in the book of, of Ruth that she had already established the fact that Yahweh was her God. And she said, you know what? She probably learned that from Naomi, from her mother-in-law. That's probably where she learned about Yahweh God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. She's making a vow and a promise that I will be with you until death. There is nothing that's going to separate us. I will be with you. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. What a beautiful picture of commitment. What a beautiful picture of of covenant love. We see that Ruth, first of all, shows kindness to her mother by being faithful, by being with her. Number two, we see it by clinging to her. Number three, by making the vows. And then if we continue to read in chapter 2, we'll see in verse 2 where when they do enter into the Bethlehem area, uh, that it's the end of the bar barley harvest season. And... And because it is the end of the season, and because they don't have a means of collecting and gathering food, they are forced to glean. And matter of fact, we see that Naomi, obviously because of her age, stays home, wherever that is. It's probably a tent. And 
Ruth goes into the field as a young Moabite woman, a foreign woman, a woman who has not ever lived in this community, who's probably a very attractive woman, and is forced to basically get on her hands and knees and, and pick up the seed and pick up the barley that has been left behind. It was a very arduous process. And although sometimes uh, a gracious owner might leave a little bit extra on the ground and not pick it all up, there might just be a little... Often it was a means of just getting on their hands and knees and picking up the grains and picking up the barley and placing it in a basket. And to get enough to eat may take several hours, if not all day. And that's what Ruth has relegated herself to doing, not just for her, but for Naomi. And she's chosen to do it. She's chosen to leave her home where it would have been much easier, where her parents could have probably provided for her, where she knew people. She's chosen to go into this foreign land and live there and provide for her mother-in-law. Talk about a picture of love. Talk about a picture of commitment. It's just really pretty amazing when you stop and think about it. What about you this morning? When you stop and think about your commitment, what do you think of? First of all, when you think about your commitment to Christ, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, does that covenant mean no matter what, no matter what it costs me, no matter what occurs, I will be faithful and steadfast. I will continue in my love commitment to you, O God. In our marriage, in our relationship with our spouse, what about it? What does that Hesed love look like? Have you even experienced Hesed love in your relationship? Those are almost foreign concepts. Those are not the, I call them the Titanic love. You know, the Titanic, remember the movie where you like see some gorgeous babe and you just have this, this big falling out and you're so physically attracted that you, you know, you make this big story up about a ship that sank and how you fell in love on a boat. That's not Hesed love. That's just physical attraction. And granted, there was probably chemistry. But let me ask you to do that. Let me ask you, where is your marriage when there's no chemistry? What is left if there's no chemistry in your marriage? And the truth is, at some point, that will probably be true. Many of you could probably give a testimony, although I'll not ask for a show of hands right now. What is it that holds your love together? I tell you what, it's got to be that. Hesed love, that devotion. That would be the word if you were asking me that I would use to define the word hesed. Again, we could use numerous words. But that devotion, no matter what. Now, how does that look practically today? Well, let me give you four examples I think that this passage gives us. Number one, that we stick it out through tough times. We stick it out through the tough times. You heard Troy and Nita talk about that. They've been married for 50 years. And I remember talking with both of them about how at one point, you know what, I just thought, I don't know if I can take this anymore. Hey, it's prob- you're probably going to think that at some point if you haven't already. But as they said, but as we've endured those times, as we've been in it for the long haul, it's become sweeter and sweeter. Our friendship has grown. If you ask anybody who's been married over 30 years, they can probably tell you about a time where they had to stick it out through the tough times. Hey, tough times don't mean it's time to quit. It means it's time to hold on to the one who instituted marriage. It's time to recognize I'm in this in spite of what I feel. 
Number two, love adjusts to each other. Sometimes you're going to be forced to make adjustments. My goodness, look at the adjustment Ruth made. Not only have I lost my husband, now I'm making this commitment to my mother-in-law partially because of my love for my husband. And it's not just like we're, we're, we're moving down the street. I'm going to leave my native land and I'm going to a country that I've never been to to live with my mother-in-law with people I don't know where I will be a foreigner. It would be the equivalency of you moving to Russia with your mother-in-law. I mean, that's not even something we even want to think about or that we can even fathom in our minds. I've got a great mother-in-law, by the way. Uh, she's here this morning. I, uh, <laughs> um, but we, I mean, talk about an adjustment. If we can say, if that's Hesed love, God, I, I can, boy, I can get at least, <laughs> I can get pretty close to that. I can get at least halfway. That would be monumental. Number three, hold on when you're pushed away. You notice in 14 and 15 that Ruth tries to push, or excuse me, Naomi tries to push Ruth away. Leave. Don't stay with me. Go on. You're not going to be happy with me. Just move on. But yet Ruth clung to her. That doesn't mean we physically cling. Sometimes that's the worst thing that we can do. But it means that spiritually we think, we determined, you know what? I'm going to hold on. I'm going to ask God Almighty to work even though I'm feeling pushed away right now. And number four, encourage and reaffirm the commitment. That's what Ruth does here in this passage. This celebrated passage that we use for weddings so often. Let me read it to you again. She encourages and she reaffirms her commitment, which is a great lesson for us. Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me. Be ever so severely if anything but death separates you and me. Encourage and reaffirm your commitment.